Hey, so I want, to, I want you to imagine something for me, all right? I want you to um, imagine that we had open mic night at Reckless, all right? So I said, hey, next week when you guys come out here, we're going to have open mic night, all right? And everybody's going to line up and you're going to come up on stage one by one and you're going to get behind this mic right here, all right? And uh, it's not a singing competition, all right? <laughs> Some of you are upset by that. You're not, it's not a speech thing, you know, it's not any of that kind of stuff, but you're going to come up here and you're going to stand behind this mic and you're going to have to own up to something that you've done. You think about maybe your most embarrassing moment, you think about a decision that you made, you think about something that you're like, dear Lord, if anybody ever found out about this, I would be completely and utterly humiliated. And whatever that thing is, and maybe you have to pick one, but you're going to come up next week. Everybody, nobody's exempt from it. You're all going to line up here, and one by one, you're just going to, you're going to own up to whatever it is. So, you know, if, if we're talking about, like, your quirks or your little, you know, weird things or whatever, so there may be some of you girls, you're going to come up here, and you're going to be like, man, I, ju- I just want to publicly admit that I, for the longest time, have, I, I am sure that I'm going to marry Justin Bieber one day. And you just got to own up to it, all right? Or maybe, you know, you're thinking, man, that, you know, that time in class and I ripped a fart and I blamed it on the chick in the, in the corner, that was me, and you own up to that. Or you're like, you know what, I've always privately been really embarrassed by this, but I, I just, I've always believed that, that Nickelback was the greatest band in the world. And you just got to, well, maybe you don't own up to that. Maybe you just keep that to yourself. Um, something along those lines, right? Man, I, at the end of every episode, rerun of Full House, man, I cry along with Uncle Jesse and, and Danny and, man, you know, poor Michelle and, you know, just, I'm just heartbroken by that and cue the music and I own up to that, all right? Whatever quirk it may be, all right? So if that was our reckless next week, chances are not many of you would show up, would you? rest of you guys are lying. So some of you guys that just don't care, you're like, whatever, I'll, I'll admit my, my little quirks and, and all that kind of stuff. But for most of us, we, we would, that would be a, an easy way for us to uh, eliminate a lot of you from showing up next week, all right? Or maybe if you knew I've got to do this, man, you'd be in hives all week, you know, just really freaking out, embarrassed, I can't believe I've got to do this. It doesn't really sound like a great idea. It doesn't sound like something that a lot of us are like, man, let's do this. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be incredible. This will be so powerful if I get up there and talk about that thing that I'm so embarrassed has happened. And so whether it's a mistake that we've made or whether it's you know, an issue or just a little quirk or whatever, it's not an easy thing. We would, it's a whole lot easier for us to hide those things than it is for us to admit it, isn't it? Now, over, over the next three weeks, we're going to be in this series called Own Up. And I promise you, we're not going to be pulling you guys up on stage and making you admit anything like that, okay? Uh, so please come back next week. That's not what we're going to be doing. But what we do want to do over the, over the course of this series is just talk about those things that we need to own up to. 
those things that belong to us, those things that are ours, and we can't necessarily pass the blame or make excuses or you know, minimize it or any of that kind of stuff, but rather we've just got to simply go, you know what, this is mine, I own up to it, I'm going to take the blame for it, or I'm going to take responsibility, accountability for it, this belongs to me. And we just own up to it. And as difficult as maybe it would be for the quirks, how much more difficult do you think it would be for us to own up to sin in our life? How much more difficult do you think it would be for us to own up to the mistakes that we've made that maybe we've tucked it away and we've kept it private and no one really knows about it, no one's aware of it, but rather we not necessarily made that public to everybody else, but we owned up to our sin before God. How much more difficult, how, how much more unwilling may we be to be able to own up to our sin that maybe even would be worse than our quirks? Now, here's, I want to go ahead and tonight and give you kind of the, the, the main point, the idea, what we want you walking out of the room with, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. Here's, here's what we want, to, want you guys to, to come away with tonight. When it comes to our sin, owning up to our sin is a daily exercise, not a rare exception. Owning up to our sin is something that has to be a regular part of our life. It isn't something that we think back to and we go, oh, man, I remember a couple years ago, like, I really messed up, and so I, I, you know, I, I told God I was sorry, and I confessed that to him. That it's one of the things we have to almost think back to. Man, I can't really remember the last time that I did that. But rather, it's something that becomes a part of our daily routine. Because we know that we fall short and we know that we've got sin that gets in the way of our relationship with God. And rather than tucking it away or hiding it or blaming somebody else, we simply own up to our stuff every day. And we, can, we have, as part of our routine, our repentance or our confession of sin. Now, what, it, what exactly does that require? If that's going to be what we get to, where us owning up to our sin becomes a part of our daily routine. What, what, what is required in order for that to happen? So for our time together, we're going to talk about three things that are required. All right, here's the first thing. If we're going to own up to our sin, it requires honesty and humility. All right, that's the first thing. It requires honesty and it requires humility. Or maybe it's two things. Now, every healthy relationship has a foundation of honesty and of taking responsibility. All right, in other words, if you want to have a healthy relationship, you've got to own up to stuff. You've got to own up to mistakes you make when you make them. You've got to own up to things, you know, when, when you don't come through on what you told them you were going to come through on. You've got to be able to own up to that. There's no relationship in your life that will be healthy if when the moment comes for you to step up and take ownership of what is yours, for you to go, no, nah, that's somebody else's. Or, well, that's not really my fault. Or, well, but you don't really understand. Here's what happened. Here's the kind of day I've had. Or, you know what, it's not really that big of a deal. You're making a bigger deal out of it than what it really is. If that becomes our mindset, rather than being honest, then we won't experience any healthy relationships in our life. And the same is true when it comes to our relationship with God. No one comes into a relationship with God and experiences salvation in the first place 
without us owning up to our sin, without us being honest before God and saying, God, I admit that I am a worthless sinner, that I fall far short, and there is nothing that I can do to fix my sin. For us to even have a relationship with God in the first place, what Jesus makes available to us because of his death on the cross, it requires us to admitting it, to confessing it to God, to owning up to God and saying, God, I screwed up. I'm a failure. I'm a mistake. I've, I've, or I've made mistakes. I've fallen far short of your standard. And Jesus even said that he didn't come to save those who think they're holy, but those who know that they're sinners and who own up to it. So for us to experience salvation and to be rescued, we've got to be able to own up to it. But owning up to our sin doesn't just stop at the moment of our salvation. We don't go the rest of our life just saying, you know what, I don't really have any more sin and I don't really have to own up or or confess anything to God. That still needs to be a part of our relationship with God. When there is sin that gets in the way, when sin gets the better of us, and it still does from time to time, We've got to own up to that. We've got to be able to, to be honest with God and confess that to him. And sometimes what we think, and maybe this is a, a stumbling block for us, is we think that if we're honest about our sin before God, then we're going to be judged, we're going to be condemned. We, we sometimes think that you know well, we're going to be more miserable if we confess that to God and own up to it rather than just hiding it. Rather than just ignoring it, like, you know, there's an elephant in the room, but I'm just going to kind of pretend like it's not there, and God will never know, and it'll be a whole lot better or easier for me if I'll just do it that way than if, if I just take responsibility and say, God, I messed up. But the truth is, we're more miserable when we hold on to it. Rather than experience freedom that Jesus wants us to experience, we actually, we actually feel more guilt and more shame and more condemnation. We feel more miserable when we hang on to it than when we just confess it and be honest with God. Here's what Psalm 32, 1 through 5 says. David says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete what? Honesty. Complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And what happened? And you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. See, we get confused and think, man, God's going to withhold his blessing from us and not love us and all this kind of stuff if we hold on to it, but rather we... We don't experience God's full blessing when we hold on to it. A great example of this uh, happened over the last couple of weeks. So our, um, our middle son, a couple of weeks ago, had, had done something and, 
and we didn't necessarily know that he did, but we thought it was him, and it was pretty obvious that it was him, but, you know, we, we kind of came to him and said, hey, hey, buddy, you know, we know that this happened. Did you do this? And he said, I didn't. It wasn't me. I don't know. Maybe it was my brother. Maybe it was my sister. He automatically started to try to pass the blame. I didn't, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I'm like, come on, buddy. It, it, it probably was you, and here's why. And, he's, and, and then he just got more and more. The more we talked about it, the more upset he got. And you know, tears started coming down, and he was like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. And so we ended the conversation, all right, bud, you know, you know, we believe you're going to tell the truth, and you know, so you know, we're, we're choosing to believe you in, in this moment, whatever. And so that was the end of the conversation. Well, a couple nights later, middle of the night, 2, 3 in the morning, all of a sudden, he comes walking into our room, tears streaming down his face. And he climbs into, into our bed, and he says, I did it. It was me. It was me, and I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done it, and I I'm, I'm, feel so horrible, and I can't get over it, and, and it was me, and I, I want you to know that. And so as much as I cared about that, it was 2 or 3 in the morning. I said, buddy, I love you. Let's, you know, let's go to sleep. Let's talk about it in the morning. So that next day, I pulled him aside and just said, hey, man, you know, so tell me what happened. So he, he told me what happened, and he just said, I, you know, I just, I couldn't sleep. I felt so horrible. I felt so guilty, and I couldn't, I couldn't escape it. And we in no way are about, you know, creating guilt and shame and condemnation with our kids, but I said, buddy, listen, that, that was God convicting you, not allowing you to be able to sleep and to get over it because you had stuff in, in your heart that you hadn't confessed, and that's that's what God does, and that's a, a great thing. And, and in order for us to get past that, we've just got to be able to be honest and confess that. And so I, I look back on that, and I, and I think, you know, how many of us oftentimes feel the same way? Like, you know, we, we want to hide it, we want to bury it down deep, and yet, and if, if we're a, a follower of Jesus, God doesn't let us get away with that. Not because he wants to condemn us, but because rather he wants to bring about repentance in our life so we can experience freedom and not have to worry and carry that guilt and shame around anymore. See, God offers forgiveness and peace if we come to him. And he knows it all anyway. That's what's so crazy. He knows everything. He knows that we sin. He knows that we don't deserve his forgiveness and his freedom And yet he still loves us and cares about us and wants a relationship with us. And we can experience the fullness of that relationship when we confess our sin and are open and honest and humble about it. Here's the second thing. Taking ownership of our faith or of our our sin requires us to have hatred of the sin. Requires us to hate the sin. God wants you and me to hate our sin as much as he does. To not minimize it or pass it off or say, yeah, but you know, they did this to me and that caused me to do that. But rather for us to look at sin and to hate that sin. To despise that sin and to despise what sin wants to do in our lives. For us to hate our sin as much as God does. And in order to do that, 
I think we've got to be able to understand what it is that sin does. Because before we know Christ, it completely and totally separates us from a relationship with God. Sin is that, that barrier, that chasm that we can't get over. It, it completely separates us, and there's nothing that we can do to get over that, to get beyond that, and our relationship with God has been severed. And the Bible actually says that it makes us an enemy of God. That until we have that moment where we put our faith and trust in Jesus the Savior, we are looked at by God because of our sin as an enemy. But when you and I confess our sin, when we trust Christ as our Savior, that is no longer the case. And that divide, that, that barrier that is in the way, sin is removed from the picture and that relationship with God is restored and brought together. And we go from being an enemy of God to, as we just sang about, a son and a daughter of God. And there is nothing that can separate us from that. Once we've put our faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, it's not like we sin and then that, that sin gets in the way and we're separated from God and we've got to get, you know, trust Christ for salvation all over again. The Bible says that we, when we put our faith and trust in him as Savior, we are secure. God lives in us and we are guaranteed that relationship and it cannot be broken up. But sin doesn't go away. And what sin wants to do, even though it can't make us an enemy of God anymore, what it wants to do to us now as sons and daughters of God is to get in the way of that relationship and to create dissension, to eliminate the closeness of that relationship, to get in the way where we start desiring that more than we desire our relationship with God. And it, ultimately what it does is it limits God's movement and God's blessing in our lives. And so just knowing and understand what sin desires to do to us hopefully opens our eyes to understand there's no good thing that comes from this and hopefully causes us to hate that sin. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. Here's what he says. He says, repentance is a condition that we meet in order that God, already wanting to be good to us, can be good to us, forgiving and cleansing us. He says, in that sense then, the person who loves his or her sin and hangs on to it cannot reasonably expect the goodness and the grace of God. He's saying, unless... Unless we love God more than we love our sin, unless we choose to love God and hate that sin in our life, then we cannot experience the, the goodness and the grace of God. Because our heart is divided, our allegiance is divided, and we want God, but yet we also want the sin. And God's like, look, that can't happen. And in order to experience this full, abundant life, you've got to love me and hate sin. And just understanding what it costs God because of our sin. Understanding what it cost Jesus, his life, 
to be able to offer freedom and forgiveness from our sin. Here's what I I believe. I believe that the, the men and women that God uses the most are those that never get over the fact that it was their own sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. Those ones that never get over the reality that, you know, God, there's a lot of crap in the world, there's a lot of sin, and man, my next door neighbor, man, there's a lot of sin in there, but I I can't even get beyond that. I can't get beyond myself because I know my heart and I know the sin that I have and I know that it was because of my sin that you went to the cross and it cost your life. And there is something about that mindset that causes God to use those people to even greater extent. That hate what it did, their sin did, to their Savior. And it reminds us that we are lost without the goodness and the grace of God, that we are nothing apart from Jesus. Let me stop for just a second and just say this. If, if you find yourself desiring sin more than you desire God or desiring sin and not really desiring the things of God, then chances are that you may not have a relationship with God. Now, I'm not, I'm not about trying to create you, know, you to doubt salvation and, and you know, decisions that you've made or whatever. But that becomes really great evidence in our life that Jesus is in us. When we desire God and we hate sin, but if we constantly find ourselves, you know what, I don't really care about God. I don't really desire the things of God. And, and man, all I can really think about is how I, I, I want to, des- you know, I just desire sin and, and I, I want to live that way then that could be a really good indicator that maybe we've never taken that step where we've put our faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. Because if God has changed our heart, then he set us free from sin and he's, he's changed our desires to now we desire the things that he desires. So it requires our hatred of sin. Here's the last one. It requires our acceptance of forgiveness on the other side. Here's a major issue that that so many of us face. We own up to our sin. We confess it to God. We feel really guilty about it. We hate that sin. We don't want that sin in our life. And so then we bring it to God and we confess it to him. But then we get back up and we carry that sin on with us. And we never really experience forgiveness from it because we we feel like we're, we're constantly confessing it over and over and over again. And we don't really accept or maybe even believe that God could really forgive us for that. And once we own up to our sin, we also have to be willing to let it go. Because God has let it go. Because when we confess our sin... 1 John 1, 9 says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all wickedness. 
So if Jesus is willing, whatever sin, no matter how crazy it may be, no matter how, you know, how much pain it may have caused in our life, no matter how serious that sin may be, once we own up to it and confess it, we've also got to leave it and get up and walk away with the freedom from that sin, that that sin is no longer, we're no longer held accountable for that. We're no longer held responsible for that. God's not going to continue and tap us on the shoulders days later or months later and go, hey, 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 remember this. We don't have to confess it over and over and over again. We can confess it and then get up and receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. See, God convicts us, but he doesn't condemn us. He wants to bring us to a point where we admit our sin and we own up to it. So then we can live free like he's created for us to live. Man, it is a beautiful thing when we sin and we fall short of who God has called us to be, that we have access to God because of Jesus and we can actually receive the forgiveness and the mercy that we so desperately need. I can't think of a more beautiful picture than that. To know that we deserve punishment and God gives us his love. That at our worst, God gives us his best. So owning up to our sin is a daily exercise, not just a rare exception. Let me ask you just to think about this question. When was the last time that you owned up to the sin in your life? When was the last time that you came to God and you said, God, I screwed up? God, there's no use hiding it. There's no use pretending that it's not there. There's no use passing blame on anybody else. God, I'm just, gonna, I'm just coming before you. You know it anyway. God, I just want to own up to what I've done. How much a part of your regular life, your daily life, is you owning up to sin when it gets in the way? And maybe for some of us, why we feel like we never hear from God and we don't really experience all that much from God is because there's so much sin unconfessed that we've never owned up to before God and it's hindered that relationship with Jesus. We'll give you a, a, a little bit of a visual of how this can look. So for a lot of us, Maybe this is typically how we live our life. When we, when we refuse to confess our sin, we live the majority of our life in darkness. We hold on to sin, we, we kind of hide it, we tuck it away into the darkness and we feel like you know, no one's really gonna know or see it if, if, if we put it away. And maybe... For most people, that's true. 
But when we, when we walk around with unconfessed sin, maybe every so often there's one area that maybe there's one light that shines on a particular area of our life or a particular sin because we, you know, we can no longer hide it and so we go, all right, you know, this has just become overwhelming and so I'll, I'll admit this. And we admit just a piece of it. But if you look at the entirety of our life, darkness really rules over our life and it ultimately causes a lot of fear and a lot of pain. But when you and I choose to own up to our sin, to confess everything, what the Bible tells us to do of of having nothing to do with those things of darkness but rather expose them, what, what Paul is saying is you drag those things into the light. And when we, when we live every single day not tucking things away, not being unrepentant for, for stuff that's in our life, not passing blame, but rather just owning up to everything. If you look at the entirety of our life, there's no dark corners. There's no hiding places. There's no things for sin, areas of our life for sin to kind of lurk in and and look to kind of get at us. There's no fear. There's no pain. There's nothing other than when we own up to our sin, when we confess everything, what we do is we open ourselves up to the fullness of who God is, to the fullness of God's light. And we don't have to live in fear and in shame and in condemnation. But rather we look and we say, God, here's my life and it is wide open for you to see. And you know all of these things, but God, when I confess it, everything gets brought into the light. Everything gets brought before you. And God, I'm owning up to everything because I want to experience the fullness of of your light, to experience everything that you have for me. I don't want there to be any darkness. I don't want there to be any sin that lurks to try to pull me back into that life. When when that enters the picture, God, I'm going to confess it, and I'm going to allow my life to be fully under your light. How much more freedom there is. And we come to find out that we were worried about shame and guilt and condemnation and for God to withhold his blessing from us and to tell us that he doesn't love us or care about us. But in actuality, what he says is, that's what I wanted you to do all along. And because you've done that, you can now experience my blessing. You can now experience all that I have for you because there's nothing that hinders that relationship between you and me. What Jesus wants for us is to live in that reality every single day that we are unworthy, but that God makes us worthy. And that gives us the confidence to be able to drag that stuff into the light and go, God, I'm unworthy, and you already know it. But because of Jesus, you make me worthy. And God, I hate this stuff that's in my life, and I don't want this to be a part of who I am. God, I'm chasing after you, and I desire the things that you want for me. And how much more freedom and joy comes 
when everything is exposed and we just own up to the things that are in our life so that we can experience the freedom and the healing that Jesus offers. Let's pray tonight. God, you have, in all reality, God, you have no business loving us or caring about us or forgiving us over and over and over again. God, we are guilty. We make mistakes. We fall far short. And we deserve the opposite of your love and your grace and your forgiveness. God, thank you that when we deserve to be punished, God, that you offer grace. When we're at our worst, you give us your best. God, I pray maybe for so many of us who just don't have a habit of owning up to our stuff, we'd so much easier to pass the blame or to ignore it or pretend like it's not ours. God, I pray that you would bring us to a point where every single day, whatever situation it is, when sin gets into the way, when it gets the better of us, we immediately repent and we confess it. We own up to it and we receive the forgiveness. And we're able to move forward in the joy and the freedom and the forgiveness that you offer. God, I pray if there are students in the room tonight who have never put their faith and trust in you as Savior, who right now in this room are considered enemies of yours. God, you went to such great lengths, gave up your life so that that would not be the case anymore. God, I pray that tonight that they would put their faith and trust in you as Savior and that you would remove that sin and you would take them from your enemy to your son or your daughter. Jesus, thank you that only because of the cross that we can have the freedom and the forgiveness that you offer and that you even plead for us on our behalf. God, may we live in that freedom every day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.